0: Okay, so my question is, doing what
1: disciples do, which you know is a series. So my question is, what? Me? I'd like to turn
0: you to Exodus chapter 3. And you'll see that the worship this morning has been so absolutely spot on. Exodus chapter 3. I want to read you the first 11 verses. Sorry it's so small up there. (coughs) You should have brought your Bible. Or your phone or something. (laughs) One day. Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. The priest of Midian. And he went deep into the wilderness near Sinai. The mountain of God. Suddenly. The angel of the Lord appeared to him as a blazing fire in a bush. Moses was amazed because the bush was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. Amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go over to see this. When the Lord saw that he had caught Moses' attention, God called to him from the bush. Moses. Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, God told him. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he hid his face in his hands because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, You can be sure I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries for deliverance from their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own good and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites live. The cries of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how the Egyptians have oppressed them with the heavy tasks. Now go, for I am sending
1: you to Pharaoh. You will lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Just for a minute, just think about this situation with you. Here's Moses doing what he's done. For the last 40 years. He's out tending the sheep. I looked this up some years ago. And apparently it's not
0: unusual. It is not common. But it's not unusual. Not unheard of. That a a bush giving off vapor will spontaneously ignite in that area. But this is the thing. Moses. Might have seen that before,
1: but here's the thing. He said, this is amazing, because the bush is burning, but is not being consumed. But you see, we read later on, it says, when God saw that he got Moses' attention, he then spoke to him. So my first question is, has God got your attention this morning so that he can speak to you? You've already had a go message this morning. We've already sung about being face down. I just wept when we were singing that. Face down in the presence of God. We've been told to go. But here's the thing. I want us to look at this morning five objections that Moses brings to why he's not the right chap to do the job. All right? You up for that? So here's the first one. Who am I? It's a question of identity. Who am I to go to Pharaoh?
0: Who am I? to lead these people. And you might be saying, what, me? Who am I to go? As a baby, you know this, if you know the story, if you don't, I'm sorry, it's just in the previous couple of chapters. As a baby, he'd been rescued from the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter who'd adopted him and named him. Nursed by his birth mother, Moses seems to be aware of his true genealogy as you read it through. And as a young adult, an Egyptian prince, and the product of a royal upbringing, he observed the cruelty towards the Hebrew slaves, his people. His attempt to intervene had led to rejection and disgrace. He became a hunted man, his life was in danger, and he fled into exile. Moses could have argued at this point, God, your timing is really off. Why didn't you come to me years ago when I was young and virile and up for it, ready to take the fight? All royal status and privilege was now gone. For 40 years, Moses had been a foreigner serving as a shepherd amongst the nomadic Midianites. To the Israelites, he would just be a foreign shepherd from Midian, of no significance. And of no importance. And this is the bit I really love. He's now 80 years of age. I'm not quite there. But hey, he's a man with three cultural backgrounds. And he's unsure of who he is. As a nomadic shepherd with a family of his own. Moses has lost all the bravado and daring of his youth. No wonder Moses cried, Who am I? There's a cry among many people today of all ages who question their identity and are filled with questions about their self-worth. Thankfully, the Bible and history is replete with examples of stories of God using nobodies. Our real worth does not rely on our birth, our nationality, or our self-achievement, but on who we are in Christ. Our true identity comes from knowing that we belong to and are commissioned by God. His assurance, I will be with you, is fundamental to understanding who we are to become and anything we are to accomplish. It's only by God's power that Gideon became a deliverer and David a king. In prison, Joseph was transformed from an arrogant youth to become a prime minister who oversaw a program of national famine relief. Peter developed from a rough fisherman into a pioneer apostle, whilst Saul, the persecutor, became Paul the apostle. So what was God's response to Moses? He didn't set up an argument to say, oh Moses, yes, you really are the right person. He said this, I'll be with you.
1: Yeah.
0: I love it. And that I will be with you has been repeated many times. We too have this promise of God's unfailing presence and comfort from Jesus in Matthew. So the question is, will I allow God to develop me into the person he's calling me to be? As
1: Paul said, I can through Christ who gives me his strength. Who am I? His second question
0: seems even bolder than the first. Uh, Forgive my um, translation of it. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13, I think Moses says, Who are you? Whom shall I say has sent me? Who are you? Trained in the culture of both Egypt and Midian, Moses would be accustomed to a multiplicity of gods and idol worship. His question was a real one. He needed to know which god he was to represent. Having already announced himself to be the God of your father, God again declares himself to be the one whose existence transcends time itself. I am who I am. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not a new deity, but the God of your father. Surely, as she nursed him, Moses' mother had made him aware of his forefathers and their God. As Jesus later commented
1: in Matthew 22, he's not the God of the dead, but of the living.
0: What was God's response? Well, in chapter 3, verses 14 to 16, his first response was to share a personal name with Moses for the first time. God gave a unique revelation of his name. I am who I am, which becomes Yahweh, which we get down to Jehovah. One commentator explains it to be signifying real, perfect, unconditioned, independent existence. The name by which God is to be known forever. Secondly. He brought him into an intimate relationship. Moses met with God face to face. He was brought by God into relationship with the same one who was known to his far forefathers. This was not a remote being worshipped from afar, but an intimate encounter with a person. Moses and the people of Israel encountered the God of awesome power and majesty and an intimate relationship. They heard him speak. They observed his glory and were witnesses of his power. When God created man and woman, he immediately engaged with them in a relationship of mutual intimacy as he walked with them, in the garden, in the cool of the day, and talk together. Jesus came to empower the pursuit of a called-out, chosen people, God's special possession, as we're told in 1 Peter 2. We were created for relationship with Almighty God. To know him as the one who loves me unconditionally will never leave me yes. and will never forsake me. Yes. Yes. Living in the age of the Holy Spirit's yes. empowering, we too are blessed with demonstrations of God's power. Yes. I was I preached this years ago, obviously, but I was, I was rewriting it. I had been rewriting it for a few weeks for a blog. And I was getting a bit frustrated because I thought,
1: I haven't got enough time
0: to say what I want to say. was going to be five. And then Rob said, have you got something? I said, yeah, maybe. Maybe, because I find that when God's preparing something in your spirit and there comes an opportunity, perhaps he's got something to say. So for me, the song, Face Down, and the other contributions this morning, just confirming God's saying something to us, so I'm really thrilled to be able to be partner with that. So, where was I? I'm just so pleased with God. Yes, yes, absolutely. We were created for relationship with Almighty God to know Him as the one who loves us unconditionally and living in the age of the Holy Spirit's empowering we too are blessed with demonstrations of God's power. When Paul encountered God on the Damascus road, or Saul, I should say, he similarly asked, who are you, Lord? In Acts chapter 9, God's invitation to Moses and to Paul and to us is to an intimate relationship with and demonstration of God's Power through encountering the awesome presence of God. But notice, it was when Moses went to take a closer look that God spoke to him. It takes a step of faith to draw near to God and listen to his voice above all others. To shut out the clamor and be still in God's presence. Psalm 46 verse 10
1: says, it does say, be still and know that I am God. And that be still came to me
0: years ago um, and I read it in another version and it said, shut up. (laughs) Shut up and know that I am God. I love what the message says. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. And here's how about this? Above politics. Above everything. It takes a step of faith. You know, maybe God says, I've drawn your attention this morning. I want you to step aside. Come and listen to me. Come and hear me. Let me speak to you. We need to hear what God says so we can speak his word with his authority. So the third question, moving on swiftly. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if? What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say,
1: "Our Lord never appeared to you? In the message it says Moses objected. They won't trust me.
0: They won't listen to a word I say. They're going to say God? Appear to him hardly. (laughs) We can often ask such a reflective question. I've asked it loads of times. What if? What if we stayed and lived in Exeter?
1: What if we hadn't come up to Solihull? What if? What if, what if, we can ask that what
0: if in another way, just the same way that Moses was asking, it's a speculative what if. What if I do this and it turns out wrong?
1: What if I don't have enough to go through to the end? What if, says Moses, what if they won't believe me? What if they won't listen to me? The question
0: was not academic, it was a real possibility. And listen, Moses had a painful history to call upon. He tried before, look how that had ended. It's surely probable that Moses was remembering the catastrophe of his earlier intervention and was contemplating the possibility or probability of another second rejection. Often we pose a similar question. What if I get it wrong? What if I make a mistake? As you consider the
1: call to go, to free, to heal, we can bring a whole raft, well I can anyway,
0: of previous failed attempts. Sometimes we fail to take another step of faith by a lack of confidence in our choosing. Or fear from previous rejection. We build walls of protection to avoid the pain of another disappointment. And so by doing so, we can shut out the joy and peace of God that he wants to give to us. And listen, you also hinder somebody else from receiving the blessing that God's got for them. So what was God's response?
1: I love this response. What's in your hand? A staff. Isn't that lovely? Well, take it and throw it on the ground. It's a
0: snake. Pick it up by the tail. Okay. It's a staff again. Now put your hand inside your coat.
1: Take it out. It's so all full of leprosy. Put it in again. It's clear. There you go. <laughs> How about that? If they won't listen to that, take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the ground, and it will change into blood. Oh, dear. <laughs> it was notice by what he had in his hand, that God launched
0: Moses into the real destiny for which he had been
1: prepared during the years of exile and nothingness. I wonder what ordinary,
0: everyday task God has been using to hone our character, to make us useful to bear his purpose. And fulfill his plan in our life. So what do you have yes. in your hand, so to speak? Yes. That you become so used to using. That is so normal and insignificant. Am I willing to let God use my ordinary. In an yes. extraordinary yes. way. Yes. To bring glory to himself. Yes, that is so good. That is so good. The staff became the snake that consumed the false. If you follow it through. How amazing to realize that the hard times, the difficult days have been used by God to become the shepherd's staff in your hand today. (laughs) Nothing's wasted. Joseph's time in prison was not wasted. I find it amazing to read about Joseph You know, I can't start on Joseph. But listen, (laughs) the thing is, you know, he he, he had dreams and he interpreted dreams even in the prison. You know, we tend to give up. We tend to go back into our little corner, protect ourselves. Something about the beauty of Joseph. He kept his spirit clear even through all the years
1: of misunderstanding and hardship. What have you got? I'm sure you'll be surprised at what God will use when you trust him. The fourth question
0: we find in chapter 4 and verse 10, but Moses pleaded with, oh Lord,
1: I'm just no Good at speaking. I can't speak. It's a question of inability. I like the way it says it. I'm not very good with words.
0: I never have been and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Any similarities? Contrast a bit with what Stephen says in Acts chapter 7. He says Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful both in speech and action. One commentator says this. Moses had been trained in all the wisdom and techniques of the Egyptian courts and it would be natural to expect that he would be a skilled debater and able to give powerful speeches but He's been living in Midian as a foreigner for 40 years, spending the majority of his time outside with only the sheep. And they were even worse at intelligent (laughs) conversation. Anyone who's been thrown into a different cultural environment with a totally different language would be able to understand Moses' problem. He says, I'm not very good with words, and I've never got on well with this language anyway. I get tongue-tied, and my words get all twisted up. So often when our children were young, I used to come home from school and walk in the door and sit down and just want to be quiet. And Jill would say, talk to me. I haven't had any conversation all day. I've just got the children around me. Any other ladies know about me? You know, so many people, they're de-skilled after a while with the babblings. And when they go back to work, they feel really, really uncertain of their ability. They seem to lose their skill. You know what Moses was like then? I don't know about you, but even if you are speaking your native tongue, I wonder how many times you have found just the right things you wished you'd said after the event. There have been times, though, when unexpectedly, without realizing it, you've come out with just the right word, which has encouraged someone, or somehow been timely for the situation. We usually find that happens when we least expect it, and are unable to take any credit for it which is, of course, what God wants it to be. Thankfully, we quickly learn that God's ability is far greater than my disability. He just needs me to be obedient and to trust him completely. So what was God's response? In Exodus 4, verses 11 to 12, we read this. The Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not hear or do not hear, see or do not? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you in what to say. The message says, so get going. I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. I'll be right there to teach you what to say. Stephen's assessment was not wrong when he said about Moses, but he was speaking about the Moses empowered by God, not the Moses in his natural environment. Isn't that encouraging?
1: God says, you speak what I give you. I made your mouth. I'll be with you. I'll do it. So his final question. It's just a couple of verses later, Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Been there? Yeah. The next verse is not so good. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron? The
0: Levite, I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. And An angry God is God's first response. It's an uncom- uncomfortable concept to consider that God can be angry. We relish verses like Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are the God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Or Micah 7:18. Where is another God like you, overlooking the sins of His special people? You will not stay angry for, with your people forever, because you delight in showing, because you delight in showing unfailing love. Well I have to wonder
1: how many times God could justifiably be angry with me. It's almost as if God is
0: exasperated with Moses' repeated ex- persist- resistance, with his repeated resistance. And yet, even here we see amazing grace. Because he already has the answer. You know, it's amazing. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? He speaks while he's on his way. Do you know, think about him a minute. Moses, probably, am I stretching it a bit? I don't think Moses had any contact with his brother in 40 years. And even before then, Moses was in the
1: palace and Aaron was amongst the slaves. I mean, it seems to me there's not been much
0: connection, is there? And yet God says, your brother's on his way to see you. And we find it later on in that chapter, chapter 4, verses 27 to 28. The Lord had said
1: to Aaron, go out into the wilderness to meet Moses. I mean, come on, it's mind-blowing, isn't it?
0: It's mind absolutely mind-blowing. This brother, they haven't seen each other for 40 years, and God's got a message. Go out into the wilderness, Aaron. And meet your brother.
1: Oh, yes, I know, just down the road. Into the wilderness. No bus stops. No shops. No
0: places to meet. No coffee shop. Just go and find him.
1: But doesn't it it remind you of surprise? If you weren't here in February, listen to it surprised Sitoli and he came and his
0: testimony was of being taken spoken to by God in the middle of
1: his village in Africa and he ran for a whole week I think
0: through the forest and came into a clearing to meet a white missionary who had had a dream And had been told by God, go out, I want you to meet these two lads, and I want you to take them and look after them. Amen. He's still the same God. Still the same God today. How awesome, though, that Aaron had himself developed an intimate relationship with God and was willing to be obedient to his word. How kind. And full of grace
1: for God to send him to meet Moses. Don't forget that Aaron was the slave. You know? But he had become a Levite. So he had retained his connection with God. I
0: wonder if God has already been preparing someone to support you as you embark on his mission. Among the disciples, Jesus had close connection with Peter, James, John. You note that the animals went into the ark two by two. And the disciples were sent out two by two. Saul was first encouraged by Barnabas when he arrived in Jerusalem and nobody wanted to know. And Barnabas took him and brought him in. Paul uses the phrase co-workers at least 11 times, and I found 17 men and women that he lists as co-workers. Priscilla, Aquila, James, Peter, John, Barnabas, Yodia,
1: Sintiki, Clement, and so on. Is it time to come to an end of your questions?
0: And accept the commission to be the disciple God has called you to be. I love the
1: aside of God. It's in chapter 4, verse 17.
0: In verse 16, God says, Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. And you will be as God to him, telling him what to say. And be sure. And don't forget, Moses, take your shepherd's staff along so you can perform the miraculous signs I've shown you. Listen, don't forget to take along with you the things that God has done in you because it's through them that he is going to show his glory and grace. But I like the way it's almost as though God says to him, hang on, don't forget. Don't forget to take it so the invitation to us today is what can we learn from Moses today? Well first of all it's okay to bring your questions your problems, your doubts and your concerns to God but will you bring your question to Him and then allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart what God has to say to you ask Him
1: Lord, what is my staff? Offer it to him to use it however he wants. Are you prepared
0: to leave any unanswered questions at his feet
1: and trust him to lead you on the right way? Moses didn't have all the answers. He had to go one step at a time but I hate to say it, it all got so much worse before it got better, didn't it? (laughs) He needed to summon up and keep going, keep believing, keep praising, keep worshiping, keep believing that he was God who was going to lead them out anyway. There will be times when you, like me, you just have to keep going anyway. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are so patient with us. And I'm sorry, Lord, for. All the times when you must have got exasperated with me. There are times, Lord, when we can make you angry by our resistance to you. But Lord, we want to lay that down this morning. We want to say we've come into your presence. We've seen your face. We've heard your voice. We've learned again. That you love us. We've learned again. That you will be with us. Lord. Take us on. Make everything different from this day onwards. Change the things that we've found difficulties.
0: And make them into stepping stones. Change the stumbling blocks.
1: Cause us to step up on them. And rise to new heights be blessed in you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the lessons that we learn from lives gone by. And one thing we know, Lord, is never too late. I don't think any of us are 80 yet. And yet another
0: 40 years after that. So lead us on, Lord. Take us through, Lord. Keep us going. Show us how to be faithful to you
1: meet needs that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.